I'm here in the Dodgers dugout with Matt Kemp, and he has something to say to you guys. Listen to Cautiously Optimistic. There you go. Welcome back to Cautiously Optimistic, episode 77. We're going to call that the Dennis Santana podcast. Dennis Santana, as you know, Dodger player, currently in the minors, about to make a rehab start on Friday. Hopefully he'll get back with the team soon. Uh, made some appearances earlier this year, but episode 77, I am Nick Osteller. I'm Jesse Bromo. And I am Sol Wolves. Say it one more time. And I'm Sol Wolves. It's cutting out weirdly, like <laughs> at your, it's going like it sounds like this. It goes, and I'm full Eagles. <laughs> I'll try it again. Are you ready? One more. And I'm Sully Angles. There we go. How you doing out there, Sully? Can't complain, man. It's, uh, you know, as as everyone knows, because they can see what time we're recording here. It's it's the late night podcast, which we do enjoy. But we had to get it in. Had to get ready for the NFL season because that is coming up. For me, it is Thursday already, so we are here. Uh, for you guys, it, it's going to be close. Yeah, we're getting ready. I'm super pumped. I mean, college, this is one of my favorite times of the year. One of the best uh, few weeks in sports, I think, for me, it's always the best one is March Madness, but then, like, that first weekend of March Madness. But those first weeks of football where you get college and then pros week by week, um, that's a fun one, and I, I'm really excited for Thursday. Yeah, we are very excited. As Sully mentioned, it's late night. It's cautiously after dark. We haven't really done too many late night episodes. I think our last one was when the Dodgers made the World Series. And obviously, that we were excited then. Obviously, we're excited now, as we just said, about football starting. Um, yeah, the first game is going to be tomorrow, Thursday Night Football, Eagles-Falcons. And uh, before we get to that, you know, there was some big news that was made this past weekend with a football player who is obviously not on a team and that's Colin Kaepernick Nike have has unleashed a new ad campaign based off of him um, and his protests against police brutality and all that stuff that's going on with the political side of football and it's it made a lot of waves on Twitter just in, in the news in general and well, what do you guys think of that so far I loved it I mean there is the obviously the image that comes out first and then he comes out they have the ad that he narrates uh, about two minutes long which was really really dope got guys like Nigel Houston Serena Williams uh, you know everybody else in there uh, was really great to see um, and it was also great to see everybody on Twitter expose themselves as clowns uh, the homie who decided let me cut the swooshes off my socks like what are you doing my guy or the off the shorts um, so it's fun to see those guys expose themselves uh, as clowns um, and also I don't know if anybody else saw this but it was, I think it was today NBC confirmed that Nike did buy an ad, and I believe it's for to the, this first game here, this yeah, Eagles game Falcons game. Um, so that's going to be uh, really yeah. fun to see. I think I'm right there with you, Just It's funny to see some people, you know, obviously the conservative side of the thing is calling everyone soft for a majority of reasons, and these guys cut the elastic out of their socks to get the Nike signs out, so... That's pretty hilarious. The best thing on Twitter, before you even get that, was that dude burning his shoes while wearing them, then going to the hospital. Yeah. Um, that was just an iconic move from there. Um, but yeah, the ads are dope. The ad campaign is dope. Not only Kaepernick's, but Serena's, yeah. um, Odell's, and you know that whole campaign is just fantastic. So that ad they dropped today was great, and I'm excited to see what they got tomorrow for the uh, first NFL game. It's a true troll, you know. It's a you rarely do you see companies this large, being the NFL and Nike, um, battling on such a uh, you know open stage, I guess. But it's so dope too because Nike is doing game uniforms and has the partnership with the NFL for the next eight years, and that's like that's a contract, you know. That's so they they got that bag secured, and they're like, 
All right, cool. We signed this off. We got eight more years. Let's have some fun. Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh, and I think the NFL knows that the players love Nike. I think it's probably the most worn cleat and undershirt. And, you know, well, obviously they have to wear the undershirts. But um, even before then, I think everyone just knew that's who the players messed with. Uh, and it was good. You know, it was a good day, obviously, uh, just the stance they took, but also just for the memes that we as people got to because many of them are hilarious. Yeah, I love it as well. I've been hearing some backlash, you know, by some subsets of Twitter in some places, you know, it's like saying, oh, does Nike, you know, are they are they taking advantage of a one-person situation to profit? And yes, I mean, they are a company, they are a brand, so this is about making money, but I think that point is kind of lost in the bigger point of what they're doing, that they're, you know, kind of taking the side of Colin Kaepernick. And they've he's been a Nike guy all along, even when he's not you know, yeah. on a team. So it's not like they're just... Uh, seizing this opportunity to make some money, you know, they, he's been on, you know, on their side this entire time, and they're just picking a time to release the ad campaign. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think people who say that anything's wrong with that aren't really getting the full picture here. Because if Colin Kaepernick did play in the NFL, you know, he would be wearing Nike. So yeah. it's not like they're just kind of doing something here for in this one particular instance. And it's not just necessarily like, oh, we're going to choose right now to throw like this specific day to, to do this. It's the 30th anniversary to just do it campaign. And so this is the, the revamp of that. And like Sol said earlier, you know, you have Serena, you have OBJ also representing. So, um, yeah, I think people who kind of want to take that stance are kind of just out in left field. Yeah. And it was good. As I said, it's just, it's been an all around good thing for Nike NFL. Uh, obviously stays kind of quiet on it. And I don't think there is much to stay on their behalf. They've kind of made their position clear, uh, mainly the owners more than anything else, but, um, it is what it is, I guess for them. Hopefully they come around soon, but I highly doubt that will happen. So, um, speaking of beef too, uh, I know Jesse in the hip hop world, we've been discussing this, uh, over the day, but there's definitely some beef going on, especially with Eminem's newest album dropping and him calling out about 15 people in the rap world. Yeah. And, and a quick note on him just calling out so many people. I think that was, uh, I think it's a hundred percent a, uh, it's a business thing. He, he's doing it to grab headlines. That's all that is. I don't think that, I think he has beef with. Out of all the people who called out, I think he has real beef and doesn't like MGK, and I don't think he likes Joe Budden. Uh, and I guess the Ja Rule one comes back up. But other than that, like, he's calling out Pump, and he's calling out, you know, Yachty. Like, he doesn't care. Like, those are mumble rappers that he doesn't care about. Fun that he was dating Nicki Minaj. She, her biggest drive of her album was Barbie Dreams, where she did the same thing, where she just ripped into a bunch of people and didn't actually mean it. It's just a grab for attention. That's all that was. Now, MGK bit. And I'm happy he did because MGK is not scared of anything. And then he came out with Rap Devil. And I think my boy said some things on there. Uh, he, he's not going to shy away from that. And uh, I, he said what a lot of people are thinking that Eminem, um, you know, right now, look, he's 40, almost 46, as MGK was clear in saying. Uh, he's not, I don't want to say he's washed, but when was his last good album, you know? Like, I haven't listened to this new one. People are saying this new one's good. But beyond that, his last, what, four albums have been average at best. Um, and uh, he just, MGK said it there. He just gets in there and yells at a mic. He spends all his time at home reading a dictionary. Budden came out and said, all you've done in the last better part of a decade is rhyme words. That doesn't mean anything. Anybody can rhyme a word to a word. It's got to. It's got to have content. It's got to mean something. And uh, I think some people are saying some real things here. And listen, 
Eminem is the greatest of all time with the pen. I'm not denying that. Maybe the greatest rapper ever. But right now, he hasn't done anything. And that's what MGK is saying in the song. And that's what Budden said on his podcast, too. He hasn't done anything in the last seven years. That's all he's been saying. I think someone needed to say it. Someone, if he's going to come out and rip on 15 people, you got to back it up. Floyd Mayweather had to fight. You know what I'm saying? You're undefeated. You got the crown. You got to fight for it. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, first off, I just like to say it's, I think it's just funny that you're talking about. I, like we are talking about just a bunch of like white rappers beefing with each yeah. other. I always think that's it's just kind of some people just look at this as and don't take it seriously for that matter. I don't know how serious I can even take it, um, especially when, when I know we were about to get to. But the G Easy beef with MGK as well. Some just a couple lanky white dudes yelling at each other. Yeah, that one's definitely funnier. <laughs> Yeah, that one was definitely funnier because that has to do with the chick and everything like that and, and a variety of other things. But, uh, you know, for people that don't know, Jesse and I, uh, we like to call ourselves pers- close personal friends of MGK. Absolutely. Um, we met him, what is it now, six or seven years ago? Yeah, it was in 2012, the year of the tweet that started it all. Exactly. So um, that was, uh, you know, we felt a close personal connection at that point, obviously, uh, MGK and us don't talk as much anymore, but you know it's still it is what it is, and we're gonna we're gonna ride with that for that being. Um, but yeah, I think pretty much what he said was pretty accurate. It's just kind of calling him out on on him being, you know, despite I think he said something like you are, you know, maybe the greatest of all time, but you're also incredibly insecure, which is always yeah. kind of a weird thing about Eminem, and I don't understand it because there's no really reason to be. But he continues to do that and feel like he needs to call people out and get on people's bad side, essentially. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, I don't know, it, he does all this stuff and, and he, he, he talks all this talk. But, he, I mean, like, nobody's tested him. So it's like somebody had to test him at some point. Um, and I'm, I'm actually pretty happy that it's MGK because I know MGK can, can rap. That dude actually is a, he's a very good rapper. I get it. White rapper, blah, blah, blah. You know, I understand that. Machine Gun Kelly can rap and he's not afraid to use a, a, an Eminem song title there um, so that's why this is going to be fun uh, Mr. Hudson came out and said like we're going to get to it about the Eminem he's going to come back at MGK who knows when but you got to put him on the clock look if you don't respond that's an L for Eminem I don't care uh, the only way to settle this Jess um, as was discussed in the song is they need to head on down to 8 Mile uh, we need E Rabbit to make another appearance, and I want to see a legit eight mile like freestyle back and forth, actual battle rapping. You know, that would be um, hilarious. That would be fantastic. I'm sure MTV would pick that up, or you know, some other whatever channel you want to call it. But uh, that would be hilarious, and uh, I'd, I'd be all here for that. And I also love just lasting on that. The MGK when he made fun of him for the uh, "I'm not afraid" thing in the song was actually. I laughed pretty hard at that. He had some lines in there, but Nick, I think, needs, uh, needs to come in here. He has some things that he says. I, I, I just know oh, like he wants to say. I do have a few things to say. So I was a little um, late to figuring all this out, what was going on here. I did some research. You know, I found out what was going on. I, I was hearing about it on Twitter as it was happening, but I kind of wanted to wait till the dust settled until I fully dove into it. And from what it sounds like, you know, this is all based on what MGK said about Eminem's daughter like six years ago, and then Eminem gets upset and, you know, bans him. In terms of what he said now, yes, Eminem has not really done a whole lot lately, but I think what you guys are forgetting, well, you did mention it, and MGK mentions too, that Eminem is a legend in, in rap. And he, he said he's the GOAT. He's he said the he's the best. So 
do you think he should just stick to that and not really go deeper? Because yes, he's old now. He's older. He's a dad. He's 46. He's not really in the, that much in the game anymore. But does he have to do anything else? Does he have to put anything else out right now? Does it hasn't he already laid the foundation for rappers like MGK? No, he laid the foundation for rappers like MGK for sure. And and MGK didn't doubt that and didn't. He he's given respect even in the tweet. He said M is the king in the tweet that started it all. Like, the, the, I don't care what about that. MGK came for you. This is what you've been wanting. You, you can't send out 15 warning shots to 15 different rappers on your album. And then when somebody comes back, be like, nah, I don't have to respond. Especially when someone puts out a whole track against you saying some real things. He's got to come back. If he doesn't come back, this is an L for Eminem. Not to say that it's going to make him not one of the greatest rappers ever still. It's just an L for Eminem. Okay. In a battle. Something that yeah. never really happened. For me, I guess, if you want to wrap into a sports thing for us here, Nick, it's like, imagine you have the best batting average of all time. You know, you're, let's say your career average is like 328. And then you could retire and it would remain there. But you would say, you know what? I'm the best rapper hitter of all time. I'm going to continue to hit. But you can only hit it at a 250 clip. Well, your average is going to go down and down. And when it's all over, you're still going to have a great average, one of the best ever. But you would have taken away some of where you could have been and where you would have ended up had you just remained silent and hung it up at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I just think when it's all said and done, are we going to remember this incident in Eminem's career or are we going to remember this for something that MGK said? I don't think we're going to really remember a guy, MGK, who is a good rapper. I know you guys ride with him because you've been you know, fans of him for the better part of this decade. I get that. I respect that. But at the end of the day, this might just be a blip that we don't really remember in terms of Eminem's legacy. And I know you guys don't want to hear that, but that's how, that's how I kind of feel about it. Not necessarily that it, you're not wrong there. I, I think it would be a blip, but there's other blips. Like the, the Nick Cannon diss is kind of just, I'd put that at the same level of blip. You know, like nobody talks about the warning, really. If people talk about other diss tracks that he's made, people don't really talk about the warning as much. Um, I think this is something that people will remember. And, and, and not to say that there's the only reason that MGK did it, because I know it's not, but MGK is getting a name off of this. Like, people are starting to hear him, and then if, if MGK puts out a song in the next, like a real song, not just a diss track, in the next two weeks, it's going to do well. Like, it's going to get views, it's going to get listened to, and this is a shot for him to, to kind of yeah. glow up, you might say, the kids might say today. Get a little better rep yeah. for himself. More so, yeah, what we haven't touched on is that it's not as negative for Eminem as it is a positive for MGK, because it's like, like you said, Jess... And I think what you're kind of getting at is like any publicity is good publicity. So regardless if people think that he won or lost his argument, his name is out there and it gives him a platform to discuss things with. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like one of the points I'm trying to say is if he doesn't respond, he takes a note. People are saying, and I know this because like literally I've been looking at this. People are saying that Eminem won the battle, is winning the battle right now. Eminem put out four bars. MGK put out four songs saying real things. Like, Eminem is not winning right now. MGK is winning this beef right now. Eminem has to, or else he's going to lose. And he hasn't lost a battle that I can think of before. That's not nothing. It's not nothing, and I think he will respond, but... I think he will, To be honest, even if he doesn't respond... Eminem doesn't win, no. I I don't think he needs to win, though. I think he's above MGK in so many ways that this doesn't really even affect him, to be honest. Well, he's above 99% of rappers. 
So Who, I think what's he's, the, what's he's the list ahead of him when it comes to just rapping? No, he's one of the best. Like I, I I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit that I, I slept on Eminem recently, and like even you know he headlined Coachella, and, I was, and it wasn't I, good. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I was I'm, there. I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to say I, I disagree with you because I wasn't really looking forward to it. But when I, when I went to the show, I was like, oh yeah, that's Eminem. That's one of the legends right there. I, I'm happy I saw that, and I thought it was I thought it was a good show. I was bored. Well, the best part of Eminem's set was when Fifty Cent came out. Well, t- we can differ on opinion there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I've only heard, I've more heard negative things than it is positive things. And that kind of happens when you have someone who's, I guess, you know, I don't want to say he's out of touch, but he's kind of out of touch. You know, when you're 46 years old, that's just the nature of things. So we can, we can take this to the internet. We can kind of go back and forth on this as long as we want. But I think something that we'll never go back and forth on that we can all agree on is Lucky Boy. No, that is never going to change. At the end of the day, you have the best food in the business and that's coming from someone who knows food very well. Uh, a fun fact that Lucky Boy just Instagrammed out is the breakfast burrito, the famous breakfast burrito, is 1.2 pounds. So uh, if that's something that you ever doubted us on, yes, it's big. Pause. And uh, a meal will carry you for 12 hours about, you know, and you got to love seeing that at the end of the day. You can go in, and I've done it before, where you go in, take down a burrito, and that's your only meal of the day, you know, and... and Saving money. Saving money and uh, not saving calories, but really enjoying that burrito. Uh, you can either make it a full meal in one sitting and last the whole day, or you can cut that burrito in half and have your lunch and your dinner and maybe even breakfast the next day. Those things last so long, and that's why we love Lucky Boy, and that's why they are a sponsor of Cautiously Optimistic. And I know Sully is far away from Lucky Boy in Kansas, but I know Lucky Boy always has a special place in his heart. Yes, always, Nick. It's it's undeniable, and it's something that I will cherish and take with me to the grave. Uh, lucky boy, I've just had so many meals there, whether it be a burrito, a cheeseburger, some fries, pastrami, a taco, a gyro, whatever you want, they got, so go out and check it out. And also, if you want to learn a little bit more about Lucky Boy, you can check out episode 62 of Cautiously Optimistic, featuring Christina Karagias, the lucky girl, and find out all about the ins and outs of our favorite restaurant. You know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, the grass is freshly cut, uh, not only on the college football fields, but now, finally, in the big leagues, in the NFL. Uh, the shield is ready to go, um, and I couldn't be more excited uh, for a lot of interesting things happening this season, a lot of good storylines. Uh, we all have different teams that are poised for greatness this year. Um and there's a lot of fun players in there. There's people who got paid, people who have not been paid yet, um, and probably missing at least week one. Uh, and I'm talking about Le'Veon Bell in that instance. It's said that he might uh, be willing to go out to week 10, which is the last week that you can report um, to be a free agent in the next season. So he's saying he's willing to sit out all of that time, um, which is interesting to see on a team that has relied on him in the past. But uh, – any storylines you're leaning towards? Anything you guys want to comment on? Maybe in the Le'Veon situation? Well, yeah, that's the biggest situation just going forward, obviously, is the best running back in the league or one of the two best running backs in the league, If uh, depending on who you ask, is probably going to sit out until week 10 unless the Steelers pay him. And on top of that, you had Big Ben, you know, always has his way with the words, basically said today that 
it's more about how good their offensive line is than who is running behind him. So, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be coming back anytime soon. And I just think, obviously, from a fan perspective, if you're someone that plays fantasy football and you took Le'Veon with one of your top two picks, which many people did, uh, that's not going to go very well for you because you're going to miss 10 weeks with that. And if you're a Steelers fan, it's not going to go any well because I think they're going to learn really quick that there's a reason he's a top two or three running back in the league. It's also interesting, though, because what Big Ben said specifically with the offensive line, because he's been suspended in the past four games. You know, you had D'Angelo Williams step in and run the ball pretty well, and James Connors looked good in the preseason. Not saying that either of those guys are Le'Veon, because obviously they're not. Um, Le'Veon's a special talent. But I think there is some truth to what Big Ben said, and you have some of those offensive linemen also coming out saying, like, yeah, we want him here, but, you know, uh, it doesn't matter as much as I think the media – is making it out to be at least they're saying it doesn't in their clubhouse their locker room whether that's true or not is interesting but they do have a good online and they've had guys succeed that aren't Le'Veon before yeah they're gonna continue they're gonna play the games obviously without him if they need to and the only thing I the only reason I see this not extending into week 10 or whatever it may be is because nobody wants to answer these questions week in and week out about where is Le'Veon when's he coming back What's he going to do? What's going to happen? That's just going to be a shadow that's hanging over the entire franchise. The team is going to have to answer to it. The players are going to have to answer to it. And I think at the end of the day, they're just going to get tired of answering those questions. So they're going to have to come to a resolution and probably give Bell what he wants. And um, but yeah, it could it could extend into the season. I just don't see it going all the way all the way to Week Ten. Um, he'll be back on the field soon, I believe. And uh, he did go second overall in my fantasy draft tonight, and uh, number six overall, uh, Jesse was Saquon Barkley, who I know you think who I think that's a you think is a big mistake right there. That's a garbage pick. Saquon in the first round. I said it before. I'll say it again. That's a garbage pick. I saw Stephen A. Smith. This is just a complete side note. You brought it up, so I have to say it. Stephen A. Smith said that Saquon Barkley right now is the second best running back in the NFL. He has not played a down. Get out of it. Like, this for. Uh, well, I can't. Steve, I don't even want to. Stephen A. against Stephen A. We all know and that. And Le'Veon wasn't in the top five, also. Yeah, it's it's pretty baffling. Nick, I want to get back to your point there. Um, I I really don't think that either side is going to budge unless the Steelers are losing. That's the only way that he's going to be coming back before week 10. Le'Veon seems pretty set on sitting out. Um, I think he understands he's still young and he's got a future in the league and sitting out and preventing injury is not going to be a problem. Steelers have been an organization that haven't really bended for anyone. You know, um, I don't think there's a, any player in their past that they've really gone all out to get, you know, they let Paul Amalo go when it was time to go. Um, you know, big Ben's end is probably coming near and, and they, you know, they never really gave him one of those super mega contracts besides maybe when he's in his prime. And if there's one point when he really deserved it. So I think there's a really good chance you could wait until week 10 before you see Le'Veon Bell. And I think that's a legit, you know, possibility for that team and for him because I don't see either side bending uh, for the other one. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think that people either side is really going to bend. And five of the Steelers' first six games are against teams who last year were in the bottom half of the league in rush defense. So if they do have that good O-line, which I believe they do, and if James Conner is going to look as good in the regular season as he did in the preseason – I don't think that they're going to lose too many of those games necessarily. And uh, and if they do, I don't think it's going to be the rushing game that's the issue, um, assuming that those five teams are still in the bottom half of, of rushing defense uh, in this year. But And I don't think that necessarily when you say 
that the, the questions are going to come every week? I don't think they will. I think the questions will stop eventually, you know, maybe three weeks in, something like that, because it's going to just become the normal. Um, these guys are going to be like, all right, well, Le'Veon's not coming, so why would I need to ask this day in and day out when everybody in the media, everybody knows, like, all right, he's not going to show up. I think that, yeah, the first few weeks they're going to have to deal with a lot, but that's not a reason to overpay for him. Not that, not that he doesn't deserve that money because I think that, Go get your, your money, especially as a running back. You're 26 years old. Go get that money. I just said that out loud for the first time. That's so weird that Le'Veon Bell is the same age as me. Um, go do it. Go get what you can. It's not what he wants, so he's going to try and get it from another team, and I respect that. Steelers just aren't going to give it yeah. to him. I agree with you on two points there. One, I think it will be more – I think it will be less of an issue if they're winning, more of an issue if they're losing, obviously. But also you just mentioned – go get that money players are becoming more and more um vocal and they're getting more they're, they're having more and more influence over the themselves and their futures not just in football but in all sports you know i think basketball is leading the way but i think you as you see this offseason uh aaron donald khalil mack all these odell beckham all these guys are getting paid and that's just a testament to them and their brands and their personality so i think bell is in that same boat in terms of his talent so i think he will have more leverage in the situation. But as you said, Sully, you know, the Steelers haven't been for anyone in recent times, so it will be interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be fun. And, you know, someone that did get their money this week, um, someone that did have the team bend to his will was Aaron Donald. And, you know, he's got paid a major deal. Uh, He'll be there for week one, obviously, and I think that's huge for the Rams. Um, How could it not be when you have maybe the best defensive lineman in the entire game coming back and joining your team? when you've already loaded up on your defense all offseason. Yeah, I mean, you knew, you knew it had to happen sooner rather than later. The Rams are definitely contenders this season, as they've proven with their additions all summer. And this was kind of like the last shoe to fall here for their team to prepare for the season. The best defensive player, arguably, in the league deserves that money. And then you see the trade with Khalil Mack the very next day. So Aaron Donald was the highest-paid defensive player for less than 24 hours, and then the Raiders decide that they're not going to match what the Bears offer, and then they just decide to trade him, and then now Mac is the highest-paid player. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that um, that Bears defense is sneaky pretty good, um, and I think they're kind of following in the steps of, I think, what the Jaguars were, where it's like, yeah, it's a bad team, but they have a good defense, and they just keep getting better and better, and then next thing you know, the Jaguars are in, what, the AFC Championship game. You know, It's just like these guys, not to say the Bears are going to go that far this year, but Bears were a top 10 defense last year and added a top three defensive player in the league. Like that's you, you, I respect the Bears for doing it, going out and getting a guy that's going to help them immediately take a next step. Now, is Trubisky the guy? We'll see. But um, I respect the move on the Bears part. I'm not exactly sure what the Raiders are doing. If they if they draft well, which is it pains me to say this, Gruden is not done, really, if we're being honest. But if they're able to use those two first-rounders well, then, yeah, they'll be fine um, going forward. But that's a big if. Yeah. uh, It's interesting because, you know, I think you kind of see a – going back to Donald and for Mac, it's kind of a divide between the two different thought processes in leagues and in many leagues. You know, you have the Rams who are kind of the youth movement. They have maybe a little more of an analytical approach to things, um, and they really – I feel like, you know, Sean McVay is a coach that cares about his players and cares about um, making sure that they feel like they're welcome there. Whereas Gruden, you have more, you know, people love him, obviously, because of the personality he developed over the years at ESPN. 
but he when he's coaching football is a very hard nose throwback type guy you know there's been reports of him you know they were watching film from like the 1960s and stuff like that and as fun as that is it doesn't really translate as much to the nfl and so obviously he's not going to be the one to pay the guy even though he is on a hundred million dollar contract himself um it, it's interesting i think uh, to the bears as a vikings fan that's not my favorite trade in the world i'll say that and i think you are right just they they have kind of followed that Jaguars um, path where they're developing that defense first and then hoping that Trubisky is the guy or at least is on par with a Bortles-type quarterback where he just doesn't turn it over and can manage the clock. Um, almost a poor man's Alex Smith to a certain degree. The one difference, I think, between those two is that not only is it uh, that they're in the NFC, who is a, a far, far superior conference than the AFC, but they're also in the NFC North with the Vikings and the Packers, who are both Super Bowl contenders. Um, it's interesting for the Rams too because I think I saw a stat today that they are the. I think they're they're like the third favorite Super Bowl odds right now. They're like nine to one. I think they're two. And they're the second best. Yeah. Um, either way, they have had the most money placed on them, um, most bets placed on them more than any other team in the league. So I think a lot of people are buying into that defense with Donald, and just the. I guess you'd have to buy into a certain degree to golf as well. Um, it's an interesting time in the NFL. You know, you, you just have a lot of things that happen this offseason I didn't think would see, I'd see happen, and I'm just excited for them to get on that field and, and get things going. Yeah, and that leads us nicely into our uh, first week of picks that we've been doing. We're going to continue that this season as well. We're going to put up our picks on Twitter every week and see how we do by the end of the year. Do you have any locks and upsets for us? Well, I mean, I'm going to start here with a nice little upset. Uh, you know, we've all been watching Hard Knocks here, and I may have caught the fever because that's my upset pick. The Browns are going to take down the Steelers. No Le'Veon. I know I was just hyping up James Conner a lot uh, just now. But, you know, I believe in these Browns. Um, I believe in, in Tarod Taylor and David Njoku, Jarvis Blessum Landry. Like, they got some dudes on that team. They're not going to be. I've said it before on this podcast, too. I think their ceiling is like seven wins. And, I think they start the season out with one of those. Uh, Jesse, that's that's like even trapped by hard knocks. Even cla- yeah, it's a classic it, trap it right there. Year. It happens every year. Um, I don't mind that though as much. I think you know it's not an unthinkable one, especially just because of what you said. Just no Le'Veon, and uh, I think they're going to really have to rely on Antonio Brown, um, and we'll have to see what their secondary unit can do. Um, for me. Uh, my upset, you know, if you want to, I guess you would call it an upset because it's the Super or Super Bowl champs right now. Um, the Eagles, I think, are going to drop this game to the Falcons tomorrow. You know, I think without Carson Wentz, they are a different team. And obviously, Foles balled out in the playoffs. Um, but he has just been absolutely awful in the preseason. Uh, unless their defense can carry them, which they're certainly capable of doing, I just kind of like the Falcons team. You know, they had that Super Bowl hangover the year before. But they haven't necessarily lost too much um, from that team. So I still think they have a high-powered offense. And I think that they're just going to be ready to, to go out and make a statement. I, you know, I think the Eagles eventually will be totally fine and it won't really matter in the long run. But that would be my one upset I'd pick. Yeah, you know, I actually agree with you there. I have the Falcons in that game as well. Falcons are bringing back, like you said, everyone. And I think people are forgetting, yeah, I guess, I mean, you only won the Super Bowl. But Nick Foles isn't a very good quarterback. I think the no. Falcons have a pretty underrated defense. Like I don't, I don't really believe in the Eagles, and and it's I guess people are going to call me crazy for that because they just won the Super Bowl, and I, I just don't think they're that great of a team. 
I don't know. I I think the Falcons are a better team than them. Sorry. Yeah, I think they have a better defense for sure. The Eagles do, but I think in in, in every championship and every major sport, this is a big factor. You just got to have the right timing for everything. Someone has to get hot, as Nick Foles did. Your defense has to be clicking. So, especially in the NFL, when you have you know less games than any other major league, it's easy to drop one like this. Yeah, I was looking at that game for a while too, but I ultimately decided to go with the Eagles, give the champs the respect. Um, I think they're going to come out strong, you know, at home, get the rings. Or I don't know if they get the rings before the game, like they do in other sports, but probably either, either way, um, I think they're going to win that game. Um, but you mentioned, you know, they're not. You don't think they're that good of a team, and I guess neither does uh, Yahoo because they're third in the preseason power rankings, or actually fourth. There's three teams ahead of them, including the Patriots, who I actually think are going to lose to the Texans in week one. And that's my upset pick. I have always been, you know, respectful of the Patriots and what they've accomplished over the years. I rarely pick them to get upset, but I think this is the year I'm going to go out and say, this is the year where the, you know, the, the emperor empire falls. This is where Brady, the regression starts. This is where they start losing games. And the Patriots have been known to kind of drop that early, early season game. They've done it to the chiefs the past few years. And I think this is the one they're going to drop the Texans. I believe in Deshaun Watson coming back from the injury. I believe in that team. And I think they're going to go into Foxborough and get that win. And that's my upset pick. I'm just going to throw out Tom Brady's look great in the preseason. That's fine. Have you been drinking? Yeah. I know that it's a crazy a thing pick. to say. I mean, obviously, yeah, like you said, it, you know, the chiefs went in there last year and won. And enemy of the pod, Josh, thought that they were pretty much destined to be Super Bowl champions. That obviously did not turn out to be. Um, but Deshaun coming off his first game after the ACL tear, um, the defense with a, a medley of injuries still trying to find itself. Um, Patriots with a healthy Gronk, healthy Tom Brady, more running backs than they ever had before, especially one who may be very good in Sony Michelle, as, as well as the, you know, the variety of guys that they have around him. Um, I don't see them losing that game at home, but that's Brady's just me. Favorite receiver, Chris Hogan, back too. Like the, uh, yeah, I don't see that happening either. But that's why it's an upset pick, you know. What do you got for what do you got for a lock for us, Nick? Why don't you start us reverse round robin right here? I want to hear that from you. Sure. Yeah, my lock. I'm going to go uh, down to New Orleans with the Saints. They're going to take care of business against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tampa is going to be terrible. You know, Jameis is going to be out to start the season, and they don't really have any other guidance there on that team. I think the Saints are a well-oiled machine. They are a veteran team. They have all the weapons they need, and they're going to take care of business. Well, first of all, I'm just going to say this. You're disrespecting uh, my man Ronald Jones II, who is a beast. And uh, I don't – I mean, he's still second on the depth chart, I think. But uh, my guy is going to put up some numbers, not to say that the Bucks are going to beat the Saints, but my guy Rojo, watch out for the boy. Shout out USC, fight on. Uh, can stop here right there? Yeah. I had him in one of my fantasy leagues. He was one of my, I think it was my last pick, and then I did a little more research on him. In the preseason, he carried the ball uh, 24 times for 22 yards, and there have been reports that he can't properly remember the plays. Um, so as much as I, I want to root for an SC guy, that may not be the guy to shout out right now. Season is still young, obviously. You know, <laughs> that's nothing that they can't uh, overcome. Uh, Rojo was obviously able to learn the plays in college being – uh, I believe is the one of the best rushers in USC history, actually, which is pretty incredible to think about. Um, so I still believe in my boy. Believe me, I've heard those things, but I'm going to believe in my boy. I agree. I think it's more of a uh, product of the situation. You know, the Buccaneers are pretty trash franchise, you know, uh, especially with James at the forefront there doing what he does. 
getting suspended for three games. They may not. I could, if they won three games this year, I could see them at that number. Um, so it'll be tough for a young running back to really get going in that system. But maybe down the line, I hope he does do big things because I think he's a very talented back. He is very talented, and and you know what? They're not a great team. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and swoop into my lock here, which is that. Uh, the Jaguars, you know, I'm a big defense guy today. Uh, the Jaguars are going to take down uh, the New York Giants. Um, also, m- another hate on Saquon there. I uh, had to throw it out there. I mean, you got Jalen Ramsey locking down OBJ. What else do they really have? Eli's washed. Um, Saquon's overrated. Uh, they don't really have a defense. I think the Giants, the Giants are always come on the preseason. They're like, yeah, Giants will win nine games this year. They're, they're not good. Like, that's just what it is. They're not a good team. You need a better quarterback to start. You need better everything at the end of the day. Saquon's going to be your guy going forward, but you can't count on him to carry you in the first game of his NFL career. No, it's going to be tough. I think, I don't, obviously, I don't agree with you as much that Eli is a wash, but if they can't block for him, it won't matter either way. Um, You know, as we talked about on the last pod, it doesn't make a ton of sense to pay out a wide receiver like they did. Odell and and not really have a set future quarterback, but I think you're pretty spot on there. The Jaguars defense is it's going to be a pretty tough welcome for Saquon there in this first game. If he had more than 50 yards, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, for my lock, uh, it's a real shocker, um, but I gotta just they gotta set the tone early here. Uh, Vikings at home against the 49ers. Um, Jimmy G, man, your looks can't help you against that defense. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. The, the Vikings are going to go out and just make a statement right there. This probably isn't, you know, there are other games. I think, Nick, you probably picked one of the better locks. Jesse, your lock is better, too. Um, but I just want to just show the confidence I have in my team this year. Yeah, and that's what you got to do. You know, a lock is a lock no matter what you say. Uh, and you have the confidence in your team. And, you know, they're going to be a great team this year, I think. I I'm looking forward to a potential uh, Vikings-Rams playoff matchup that we didn't get last year because I think the Rams are a little bit more improved this year, so it could, it could happen. Um, so we'll see. It's and speaking of the playoffs... An NFC championship NFC, type of contending matchup there. Say that again? An NFC championship type matchup there. It wouldn't shock me if those are the top two teams. I mean, they're right now predicted to be the top two teams in the NFC um, along with the Eagles, but if those two ended up in the NFC championship... If things fall that way, I would not be surprised. Yeah, and I was going to ask, you know, we did this last season before the games began, and we looked down the road with our friend of the pod, Justin. Um, he's not here because he was just busy coaching his team against Georgia, and we can, we can get to that later. But do we have our Super Bowl predictions, our matchups? Do we know who is going to win and who we think is going to win? I can, uh, I can start you out here if you'd like. Um, in the NFC, which is obviously the more hotly contested uh, side of everything, I'm going to go with everybody with whatever he's saying with the betters. I, I think that the Rams are going to get there. It's tough. Like, they were almost, they made the playoffs in a year that they weren't even really expected to. They were really, really good. And then they got way better. So, with, with you know, with uh, Sue, with the Keep to leave, and everybody else. So, I think the Rams are there. Obviously, it's going to be a fight. And then in the AFC, there's like it's the Patriots and it's everybody else, as much as I hate to say it. I mean, yeah, they got guys. I mean, the Chargers could surprise some teams. Um, the Broncos could be better. Uh, it's going to be the Patriots. Like, yeah. I hate to say it, but it's going to be the Patriots. 
Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. The AFC is really boils down to three teams. It's it's the Steelers if they get Le'Veon back earlier, sooner than later. It's the Jaguars if they can muster up any offense. Yeah. But more so than anything, it's just the Patriots having another you know cakewalk to the Super Bowl. It's it is what it is. Uh, you know, I, obviously people don't bring this up enough. I think Brady's legacy, what he's had to go through a couple of the last seasons and even earlier with how bad the AFC has been. But um, I think they'll be back again. And then the NFC, i you know, obviously have to go with the Vikings. Um, you know, people talk about how much better the Rams can be or will be, I think with the, that improved defense, but the Vikings also added Sheldon Richardson up front from Seattle, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game. Um, and they already had a stacked defensive line on top of that, you know, uh, they're healthy in their secondary, which is an issue later in the season last year. And as you know, well, just adding Kirk Cousins, man, that dude can play when he got wide receivers like the Vikings got, when he got a solid tight end, like they got um, with Dalvin cook coming back and Latavius Murray still there. Uh, there is, if the offensive line can hold up, I don't see why they, they won't compete for the Super Bowl championship this year. And, uh, you know, I say that, with a, a big grain of salt because the Vikings history is obviously always on the forefront of your mind when you're a fan, but um, they have every piece that they need this year if they can stay healthy. And, and you know what? I, I know Kirk well, um, not personally, never met him, but I, I've watched him year <laughs> in and year out. Um, and while I, he, I said this on the podcast before, I think even when he was our quarterback or my quarterback or my favorite team's quarterback, however you want to put it, um, he's not necessarily a winner. He He's going to put up numbers, and hey, that might change. The Vikings' defense is better than the Skins' defense. I'm not trying to say that's not the case. Um, he hasn't been a winner before. Maybe that's going to change. He's been a numbers guy, um, but there's definitely those issues. Um, you know, would love to see him win. I, I, you know, I have no, no ill feelings towards him at all, but... I don't necessarily believe in him. I, I I don't think he'll ever win a Super Bowl, personally. I don't, I don't understand how you can say that when he's uh, – I mean, I, I don't. Rem- first off, I don't remember you saying that on the podcast, if you did or did not. I legitimately don't. But for him to, first off, be taken behind RG3 and overcome that and then have to play, no offense, on some pretty poor uh, Redskins teams with not a lot of help and a lot of injuries and still put up the numbers he did, obviously you can say he's a numbers guy – but some of his most notable moments are after big wins, him coming off the field and being fired up. Um, and as far as if, you know, if that is more of a, a thing about leadership, the Vikings don't really need his leadership. They just need him to perform well, which I think is something he's very capable of doing. They have a set leaders, uh, you know, as far as Rudolph, as far as Everson Griffith, um, you know, the young guys that have been there now for four or five years, they kind of have all of that. They just have needed a quarterback, and that's what they got. So No, they definitely got a better quarterback right now. I, mean, I, I think he is a better quarterback than what the Vikings have had. But um, he has his issues, and I think you're going to uh, start to see those as this season goes on. Um, it's, it's a weird thing with him. It's just like you think everything's there, but there's just something missing. Um, and, and who knows if that's going to continue, but that's, that's all I have to say about Kirk. In this time, we could go on for hours about this, and, and we shouldn't. So, Nick, who are your Super Bowl picks? Well, first of all, I want to applaud Jesse for not selecting Washington to make the Super Bowl, which was surprising to me, and going with a team that I also think is going to win the Super Bowl. And yes, I'm a Rams fan, and yes, it may seem like a homework pick, but I really believe in this team. I think they kind of arrived earlier than they were expecting to last year, and they weren't ready for that 
uh, stage there in the playoffs, losing the first round at home. I think they have that experience tucked away. They have acquired the de- defensive player they need. Um, you know, Gurley uh, is a year removed, farther removed from his injury. Um, Goff is now in his third year. He, he's learning and only getting better. I think this team is ready to do it. Um, I expect that NFC Championship game to come against the Vikings, and I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a tough win, but I think they're going to get it done. I think um, when they go to the Super Bowl, you know, last year and many years before, I probably would have said the Patriots as well. But as I just said, and I'm making a claim here on this podcast, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the fall of the dynasty is going to be swift, and it's going to happen this year. We're going to see it. It's going to be very jolting to a lot of people. Um, and they're not going to make the Super Bowl. It's going to be the Jaguars, actually. I like their defense. And as we saw last year, you don't need an elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Blake Bortles is definitely not an elite quarterback, but he is good enough to get them there with that defense, who's also only getting better. So give me a Jaguars-Rams Super Bowl with the Rams taking it and getting it done. I would love to see the Jaguars in the Super Bowl. But I don't believe in Blake Bortles. I don't think he's better. I don't. I don't know what. I mean, if he is, love that. But I don't know what. I mean, it's still Blake Bortles to me. Yeah, but look what the Eagles did last year. Nick yeah, Foles. but Foles is better than yeah. Than Blake. As much as I don't think Nick Foles is a good quarterback, he's a better quarterback than Blake Bortles. And the Jaguars, I think, have a better defense than the Eagles. So. The Jaguars have the best defense in the league. Right. So I think that will make up with for not any- as many weapons. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like, a, like it's a difference between like an A plus and an A for the Eagles and Jaguars. It's not enough to really make up that much of a difference. Sure, but Marquise Lee's out for the year. Like that's he was their leading wide receiver last year. So that will wrap it up for NFL. Um, we're excited for that to begin. And we already got the first week of college football, and it was a wild one, highlighted by a nice win there by USC. JT Daniels gets it done against UNLV. Jesse, that must have made you pretty happy. It was an okay win. To be perfectly honest, I, JT settled in in the second half. And that it took too long for them to pull away, um, but it was comforting to see when they did. You know, they put up a points quickly when uh, when they started to settle in, and it was fast and it was good. Um, but you know, you can't have that first half of subpar play against uh, the Stanford Cardinal coming up this weekend. Uh, but yeah, JT looked really good once he settled in. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown had. One of the best debuts for a true freshman in USC wide receiving history, um, which you'd love to see. I mean, again, they know each other so well, same high school. It made sense. Would love to see JT get on the same page with um, Tyler Vaughns, Mike Pittman, but they'll get there. It's just going to take a little bit. Hopefully they get there this week. Uh, Stanford Cardinal are a little overrated. They just jumped up to 10th in the nation, which is kind of excessive, and USC drops two point two rankings after a 20-point win, which uh, was interesting to me. But hey, you know, I'm not on the AP poll committee, and hopefully the CFP committee will do a better job of ranking them, ranking us, uh, although I don't believe in them because they don't care about West Coast football. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's pretty spot on. Um, I, You know, there doesn't seem to be a ton about that Stanford team that really stands out to me. Um, SC obviously didn't bring it the week one there. Uh, you know, you don't want to beat a team like UNLV, who, you know, is frankly just not that good. They didn't look they didn't uh, look as bad as I thought. Their quarterback and, and Achilles heel of USC has always been running quarterbacks, and they have a pretty good running quarterback. Um, 
Not to yeah. say that it, it, we should have beat them by 35-ish, but um, I'll take yeah. a 20-point win. I mean, so it's just when you're at home and you're USC, it should just be on from the jump in my mind. But I understand, yeah, you know, no, I feel, I feel a win is a win in the end. So it is what it is. And, and like you said, man, that Stanford test next week, we'll talk about it the week before, um, you know, these back-to-back swings right here, Stanford and Texas is going to be no joke. So um, this is when things really get popping. They're one and L good for them. You know, it's in the past. Now all that matters is that record and they can go forward and it'll be on JT to come out and have a better start to the game next week, especially on the road. And especially against a team that is now a top 10 team in the nation. Yeah. If, if they beat, Stanford and and last year their their best game of the year was that week two Stanford game so hopefully they can do uh, something like that again but if they go and they beat Stanford that's gonna be that's the biggest game of the year I think um, for them because Stanford is a good team I don't know if they're a top ten team but they're definitely a top twenty five team and they're they're very good they have a good quarterback always gonna have those guys up front and Bryce Love is gonna be a, a Heisman contender so uh, if they can go out and get a dub against Stanford right now week two with a true freshman quarterback. Um, and wide receiver, number one wide receiver right now, who is a true freshman as well, that will be very encouraging for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then we saw a bit of a situation there at the end of the Alabama game with Nick Saban. The reporter simply asked him a question uh, about his two quarterbacks uh, before he decided to put Tua over Jalen Hurts there and asked him, asked, you know, who did you, what did you like out there? You know, what did you see from the two guys? And then Nick Saban got shook and just kind of had an outburst there on the field and said, stop asking me, quit asking me, trying to tear tear them apart. Um, he eventually apologized to the reporter, but uh, Nick Saban has had his issues in the past, and this kind of just seemed like on par for his kind of personality. What did you guys think of that situation? Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Jess. Yeah, it's exactly that. Nick Saban is Nick Saban. Um, not a great dude, you know, and, and he just kind of snapped there. And, and to an extent... I understand it. He didn't. I don't think he understood the question. I think when he heard Marie Taylor ask the question, what he heard was, and maybe this, maybe he heard exactly what she said, and he just snapped. I think his immediate thought was, "Who's going to start next week?" And that wasn't the question, and that's why he snapped. And he's hearing that question every single day for the last three weeks, you know. Um, so I get it. He doesn't want to hear that question again, but that wasn't the question. So take time, listen to what you're actually being asked, and respond accordingly. But you can't really expect too much from Saban. He's not the most personable guy in the world, and that's me being generous. Yeah, it's like what you say. I don't necessarily think he was shook. I just, as you said, just not the best dude. I think is a, a kind way of putting that. Um, just, you know, it's what you come to expect. Then you had people defending him, like, well, it's not his job to answer questions. It's his job to coach Alabama football, which is wrong because it, it is, is his job to answer his question. They have to have press conferences every week doing the post-game and half-time interviews is in their contract. It's part of the expectation of coaching in a Power 5 school like that. Um, so for him to just think that he is above and beyond that, when, you know, people can make the argument if they want that, you know, he's won the titles to not have to deal with that and be able to get away with that. Obviously he can, but it doesn't make you uh, a better human than anyone else. And it doesn't mean that you can just be uh, a jerk to people. So, yeah, it is what it is. And it's unfortunate that the best team in the nation is coached by someone who acts like that. Yeah, and especially if it is the best team in the nation, you're going to get those questions when you haven't even named your starting quarterback, or you know, you're deciding between two guys, haven't committed to one, you just won the championship, 
you won multiple championships and the you know spotlight's on you, you're going to get those questions. And that was a perfectly legitimate question by that reporter and just a very bad response, in my opinion, uh, by Saban. And also a very uh, bad response by Kansas football. Sully, you were up close and personal to see Kansas lose to Nichols State. And now uh, the entire school is kind of reevaluating everything after that incident. What can you tell us from being there on the ground, Sully? Uh, well, you know, Obviously, just as I was, Nick, it, it sounds like you were not too familiar with Kansas football because they have had a tradition of the last decade of losing. It's not a shock that anyone here they made fun of them before the year. A lot of people I talked to um, didn't think they could win this game. Scouts thought that, obviously, and, and with the background that Nichols had, losing to a couple of SEC teams two years ago, losing to Georgia by only two points. Um, they thought Nichols would come in and win this game, and that's exactly what they would. That's what they did. I mean, the teams look pretty evenly matched on the field. Um, just Kansas football is not necessarily where it needs to be. And, and coach David Beatty, obviously on the hot seat. And I think now this brings his, his career record to like, you know, it's really poor. It's like one in 33 or something like that, two and 33, something like that. Um, and that's just, it's amazing. He still has a job at this point, but at the same time, when Kansas's expectations are low, that just kind of tells you what it is. An interesting thing, I think, um, and this would have to really be tragic for Michigan. Uh, but Coach Harbaugh up there has a lot of connections to Kansas. His wife is from Lawrence. He started out as a coach at Kansas. Um, so there have been, like, you know, very deep uh, rumblings as if that, you know, he has a really poor year at Michigan. There is a chance that they let him go. And I really don't think that Beatty's going to turn it around. Kansas is on the road next week at central Michigan. So that maybe you want to call it a conspiracy theory type thing there. But um, as far as Kansas football goes, it hasn't been great. And Kansas state, they needed a fourth quarter comeback to beat South Dakota, um, an FCS team last week and our FPS team. And, and they didn't look very good either. You know, they had to rely on a punt return from this dude, Isaiah Zuber, who ended up being the big 12 special teams player of the week, you know, a touchdown in the last eight minutes of the game to put them ahead and South Dakota even had a chance to kick a field goal to tie it and send it into overtime. And unfortunately for the Wildcats, they missed. So it was an interesting weekend here in Kansas. I'll be at Kansas State this Saturday, though, um, and they're going to take on Mississippi State, who's the number 18 team in the nation. Um, as I mentioned, Kansas will be on the road. So that'll be a fun game to go to, and I'm excited to be up in close personal for that. Um, well, folks, we didn't mean to bury the lead here on this episode. Obviously, baseball is always on the first and foremost in my mind. Um, and it should be on yours too, as we lead closer and closer into playoff baseball. Dodgers just finished up a very disappointing series with the Mets dropping two of three at home after a very uplifting weekend against Arizona, where we saw two comeback wins by, um, I guess we could even call him friend of the pod, Matt Kemp. You know, he does an intro for us. And um, I don't know if you know this, but Nick wrote an article, so go check that out. He hasn't talked much about it in the last couple did. months, but go ahead and read it. Um, either way, it's, wasn't too good for the Dodgers. I don't know how else to put it besides it kind of just being depressing to see them go through these ups and downs of playing really well sometimes and then just coming out and having a very flat series like this. Granted, they didn't have to face Jacob DeGrom in a game, but they were tied in that game when he left, so it really was just mm, 21 innings against a subpar baseball team um, that they couldn't manage to beat. Uh, two times so it, it was unfortunate what do you guys think about that series yeah super deflating i'm actually probably one of the most disappointed series of the entire year considering the circumstances considering the weekend they had against the diamondbacks 
two, you know, that really three exciting wins, the Justin Turner home run and the two Kemp hits there, one being a home run in the eighth inning and then the walk-off the last game of the series to go in first place. You know, that was kind of what the Dodgers were in need of this entire year, being down by four and a half the week before. They finally get the job done. And then, you know, you expect them to come into the series against the Mets and kind of take care of business. Of course, as you said, Sully, Jacob deGrom is no slouch. He probably could be the Cy Young Award winner. Um, unfortunately, their voters are probably going to look at team records, and that's a whole different discussion. But uh, deGrom is a great pitcher, and the Dodgers could have won that game. They did come back and win the second game, and then, you know, as we're recording this on a Wednesday, they just really laid an egg in the third game. And now the Rockies also won. So now the Dodgers are facing a one-and-a-half game deficit against the Rockies as they go into Colorado this next weekend. Kenley Jansen will not be joining them because that's where he had his heart issues, so they're not going to take any chances, which I think is a good idea. But um, I don't know, Jesse. I just think this this week was very disheartening um, after the weekend. It just felt like a hangover, you know, like where these guys are just – you know, you get up and you, you get turned for that D-back series and they got it done. And then it was like, all right, well, we got that done. We don't have to try anymore. And I think they got up for DeGrom, which was uh, the first game of the series. And so they kind of, after that DeGrom, they were like, all right, well, what are we doing? Um, after they lose that game, I mean, I guess they go and they put up 11 in the next game, but then lose again tonight. Um, it, it, they Like you guys are saying, it's so up and down. They can get up for big games, um, but then they lose game, lose the team's that they shouldn't lose to. And, and you thought they were picking it up when they did well against the Padres, of course. Um, and then you have what seems to be last year's team against the Diamondbacks. But then you just get get a, a week like this or a series like this. And they got they really got to pick it up. And not saying they can't because I think they'll come up. I think they're going to get up for this uh, Rockies series like they did against the Diamondbacks. Um, but they have to. They have to, yeah. They really have to. Um, it was just like... I don't know. I just felt that they really like the magic of uh, the magic of 2017 was felt in that weekend against the Diamondbacks with those late heroics. And that was kind of like what we expected last year. Obviously this year is a different team and a different vibe, but almost in a bad way, because I feel like, you know, going and winning three or four against the Diamondbacks and then ro- rolling over against the Mets is kind of like a microcosm of the 2018 Dodgers. You know, you have these high expectations and then they kind of come to fruition and then, they fall flat again and that's like kind of what we've been experiencing with this team up and down up and down the entire year i'm hoping that it's an up by the end of september because they're going to need it um they they acquired david freeze and ryan madsen two low-end acquisitions who i don't really expect to make a huge difference i think madsen is kind of past his prime he used to be a good reliever but i think it's about five years too late with him freeze has you know he's done well world series mvp but again that was seven years ago he he looked pretty good in this uh, met series but I don't know, Sully, do you think that these acquisitions are going to have any effect on where this team goes in the next few weeks? Um, it, it's interesting. I think Madsen, I don't think, is that bad. Uh, certainly not someone that can, like, turn the corner for the bullpen, but the bullpen has actually been throwing pretty well. Um, I think in the last, like, 15 days, if you take out Kenley Jensen, Jansen, they've had their ERA below two. Like, they've thrown, even Pedro Baez has been throwing well, so that is good. It's just kind of good to, you know, it's it's like any other sport if you can stockpile at one position um it may not look as good when some of the lower end guys are playing but if they do make the playoffs and they can just put out those seven guys who are really solid i think it'll be a little better than we think still obviously i'm upset about them not going on getting one of the trade but david freeze i think is, is interesting because he's got that heroics factor to him obviously an mvp of a world series um the most rbis in a playoff in, in mlb history i think 
Um, he can really, as we saw, just come in in a pinch hit situation and do some damage. I think he's got that ice in his veins. And that is one thing I, I do. I did like that trade a lot. Or I guess, you know, waiver acquisition, if you want to call it at this point. But uh, I think he, if they get into a situation where uh, they're in the playoffs and, you know, he's just kind of a nice bat off the bench, that could work out for them. Um, but they're still, as I said, they have to make the playoffs first. And, and that's the biggest thing. Um, but we'll see. You know, they have a chance to control their destiny this weekend. Um, it's good they have a day off today. I think, you know, obviously the league scheduled that so they could watch some football. You got a lot of Southern guys on the team, so they want to have a time off and get that first NFL game in. Um, and then it's it's three in Colorado, and, and it's going to be the biggest game and the biggest series of the year, as it will be for every series going forward. So um, a good chance for them. And um, moving on from the team in Los Angeles to the team that claims to be from Los Angeles, um, unless you live in Los Angeles and, and know the difference very clearly, uh, the Angels got some really bad news today, and it was really their own fault. And I don't think there's anyone else to be blamed besides them. But Shohei Otani is going to require Tommy John surgery on his pitching arm. And it was stupid of them to bring him back to throw it all this year. They weren't in the playoff race, and there's no point in doing it. And they will have to live with this decision for the rest of his career. Yeah, this was one of the most confusing moves that I've seen a team make, especially with a guy they have invested so much into in terms of what he means and what they did to acquire him, you know, from Japan and sign him. Um, he's been, you know, a revelation, a two-way player, uh, but he has an elbow problem. There was clearly an elbow problem there, and they said they were going to shut him down for the whole season. I don't really know, and I still am wondering why they brought him back to be a pitcher this year in September when they have no chance really to make the playoffs. They're far out of both races in the West and the wild card. And then now he's going to have Tommy John. I saw a tweet from an Angels reporter for The Athletic, Fabian Ardaya, who said that the reason they wanted uh, Shohei to return is because he didn't necessarily need the surgery before, but if his uh, UCL and his elbow was going to get hurt, they'd rather it happen now than early next season. So <laughs> if that's the reason that they're, they're just going to see how his elbow was going to hold up in a month of, of pitching, that's just like almost like criminally like inhumane for this dude who already had the problem. And then it just, to, they kind of, it's almost like they forced him out there just to get hurt again, which it seems like, and if that's what happened, that's very bad in my opinion. That's not even like playing with fire. That's just being stupid. Like uh, it, the angels aren't, good like that's just this is making sense like they're just not a good well-run franchise anymore like they were in the world series in 02 but this is what the angels are now yeah it's, it's a sad franchise you know they you talk to my friends that are angels fans and i feel for them um they have had an extraordinary amount of pitchers go under the knife and get tommy john or some kind of season-ending surgery um, you know, they lost their best reliever this year. Obviously, Otani, um, multiple starters have had it. Um, even Garrett Richards has had it, had it two times now. I, I don't understand, but it's got to be some kind of developmental issue. Now, I, I, maybe it's really bad luck, but I would highly doubt that. And Otani wasn't necessarily their own fault because there was a known elbow factor when he was coming over from Japan. But... Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, there's no way to, to quantify it. There's no way to, to to make it seem like this was the right move. They're out of the playoff race. 
let him hit as long as it doesn't hurt his arm, but there was just no need for him to throw at all this year ever again. Um, it wasn't going to help his future. If he needed Tommy John or he needed some kind of more major surgery than getting a PRP shot, which is fairly serious to begin with, then they could have done that. But I, I couldn't tell you what this was about or what the thought process this was down in Anaheim. And now it's time for the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Swine, what's on the menu this week? So it was brought to my attention recently, and, and interestingly enough, because they're not advertising this very well, uh, but it was brought to my attention that Carl's Jr. has a new item out, which is exciting because Carl's Jr., they come out with new thick burgers, but they're all just kind of variations. So when you get a, a, a brand new thing, I love to see it. The Fruit Loop Mini Donuts. You would never expect that from Carl's Jr., but I'm super pumped. Uh, so I was very excited to get over there and try these. Went in, again, no advertisement, no signs, anything. I had to ask at the drive-thru menu, do you guys have these? And she goes, yep, that's it. All right, cool, you know. Knock them down, $2.19, sorry, $2.19. Great price point, first of all. Um, They are Fruit Loops brand. Carl's Jr. just sells them, um, which goes into a discussion that we're going to have at another time. Um, Five donuts for $2.19, mini donuts. Good price point. You like that. The best part, no orange. Um, they, they make a, they're specifically saying that on their Instagram, there is not an orange flavor, which I enjoy because to me, yellow and orange are the two worst in all of those, not in just Fruit Loops, Starburst, all of those kind of things. The yellow and orange is never great. To me, best one came out to be the purple one, um, but they're very good. The best part is Fruit Loops are pretty dry, you know, unless, of course, you're eating them in cereal. Um, since these are donuts, I was worried they're going to be dried donuts. Good moisture on them. Love to see that. Um, end of the day, comes out on the swine scale to an 84. It's a great nice. a great fast food piece to just maybe add on to the end if you want a little dessert uh, on your fast food uh, adventure. I suggest this. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's great to hear, Jesse. Um, and again, we always appreciate you quickly making the moves over to these places when something comes out interesting to hear that they don't advertise it i'm wondering if they're kind of like rolling it out on the down low because they don't really know how this is going to be received but apparently you received it well it's Uh, on their instagram and that's the only place that i've seen it and that's where it was brought to my attention too yeah Um, that's the only place that i've seen it. i mean 84 that's that's a solid score there and uh you know I don't know if yellow and orange are my least favorite colors, but um, I'm going to trust your judgment on this because I'm always going to trust the divine swine, the drive-thru guru, even if it comes to donuts that aren't really sold by Carl's Jr., but they're at Carl's Jr. So Fruit Loop Donuts, yeah, I- I'm all for it. And they taste exactly like Fruit Loops, which was really, really cool. It was like it was uncanny how really, really similar they were to actual Fruit Loops. Yeah, so out here in, in uh, Kansas, it, it's a Hardee's. We have Hardee's out here rather than Carl's Jr., but they actually dropped some of these donuts off at the station for us to try. And I thought you, you said it just, they did taste just like Fruit Loops, which is impressive. I want to go back, though. Nick, did you guys say something about orange and yellow not being the worst flavors? They are. I say they are. I think Nick uh, said they are not. I, I you said they are. What is worse? Those are absolutely the worst flavors in all of candy. No, and I any like candy. yellow. I like the yellow flavor. Oh, uh, to me, yellow is worse than orange. Oh, really? Absolutely. I would say orange I would is put orange below yellow for me. You're you're just wrong here. 
Yeah, you're... Universally accepted. Objectively wrong. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Um, You know, nobody goes into, I mean, except psychopaths, go into a Starburst uh, pack and say, these yellows, these oranges, these are the first ones I'm eating. What's what's your favorite Starburst flavor? Flavor? I mean, there's so many. color. Just of the OGs? Yes. Pink. Okay, I agree. Sully? Pink or red, they're interchangeable in my mind. The best, the best pack is the berries pack when it comes to start the pink and they have the sole pink and reds, and it's not just pink and red. They'll put in like different ones, but they're all berries, um, you know. So that's that's the classic. You got to go berries. Yep, or even tropical. I love. Yeah, tropical is is also great. Um, but, but yeah, definitely head over, get yourself five. Um, yeah, there's a yellow, there's a a blue, there's a purple, there's a pink. Um, there's one more that I am forgetting, but go over there and find out that last one for yourself at Carl's Jr. or Hardy's, depending on where you are. Thank you very much, Swine. And that has been the fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. It's that time. It's the end of the show. But before we go, you know we have to give you some super hot, interesting takes and shout outs. And we're going to toss it over to Jesse with a with a hot take for you um and i think people are going to take this as a hot take because of uh the players involved i say players they're not actual athletes um a good uh twitter person bansky i don't know bansky i don't actually know how to say his at but he goes by boogie buzzins which is a great uh, also twitter name tweeted recently Lil john got more classics than drake and j cole combined and look First, I read it and I was like, yo, he's crazy. Then I thought about it and I was like, all right, first of all, Lil Jon's catalog is underrated. And I tweeted it out as well. Lil Jon's catalog is crazy underrated. And the key word here is classics. How many classic songs does Cole have, really? You know, like, go to a Lil Jon show. You don't even need to hold, like, go look at Lil Jon's discography. Look at his classics. He got classics. I don't know if you can say the same for Cole and Drake. Like, Drake got a lot of hits. How many classics, though? And time will tell, partially. But uh, I think that's a hot take that I'm going to agree with there. Boogie, Boogie Buzzins. B- Bansky, sorry, I'm uh, butchering your name there on Twitter. But, yeah. Wow, that, that is a hot take. I agree partially. I agree uh, maybe more classics than Jake Cole, but I'm not going to put him over Drake, and that's where I stand. No, and I think you – I don't know if you're – he's got more than both of them combined. No. Yeah. Um, Nick, name what are the three classics that Drake has? Four classics. Uh, Give me. A, these should be that, off. You know, yeah, I mean, like Nice for What. Like, no, it's already a classic, and it's already. Just, I think Nice for What will be a classic. It will be. You a can't classic. put Nice for What as a classic right now. We would not call it a classic. It's become a classic this year. I, I would argue. You can't have that's a this year. Argument. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like it will be. It will have been a classic when it's all said and done. I'm not arguing. Like you were arguing it though. You just literally argued so, it. So, but okay. Little John has Drake, more Drake's classics not. than both of them combined, but Drake's been in the game long enough to have classics. Best I ever had. Best I ever had. Like I don't know dance. if I put that as a classic. One dance. One dance, not a classic. Uh, I guess we just have different definitions of classics. And also, yeah, well, you have a weird ass definition of classics. Lil John, Lil John has, and this is maybe just my opinion, but I'm gonna say it like a fact because I think it is. Hands down, the best club song 
in the history of the world. Get Low is the best song for a party ever. It's hard to argue it. Yeah. But we have other takes and shout-outs to get to, I believe. So, uh, uh, Nick, go ahead. I just just have a quick shout-out. I just noticed this at work. Um, As you guys know, as I mentioned, I'm I'm now sending alerts for Yahoo Sports. And every alert that we send out, we have to tag it, obviously, to uh, the specific team that it goes to those fans. And um, I've had to send some Angels alerts. And I just want to give a shout out to Yahoo for still having the Angels tag say the Anaheim Angels. Oh, that's nice. So, I do enjoy that. Um, that's how it should be, obviously. Um, and that's my shout out. So just Yahoo knows where the Angels stand in Southern California. Yeah. And Nick, I know you were very proud of your big Donchish energy tweet. I will say that was good. I did enjoy that. Thank you. I was I was uh, pleased with that. I, I uh, well, didn't. I wasn't, like sure, I wasn't sure if my editor was gonna let it let it go through, but uh, got the all clear and uh, fired that baby off. <laughs> fired that baby off. <laughs> uh, ready to rock and roll, buddy. Uh, well, yeah, I, I did enjoy it though. That was very good. Um, and then we have a group shout out, uh, friend of the pod. Yovan Buha had some huge life news that he released this week and it, we won't even tell you about it go check out his page any social media you'll find out a lot about it a beautifully written comment for it yeah. and we just want to say good for him man we support him with everything he does we've been doing this thing for a while with him and we appreciate how he's living at this point and everything so shout out Yovan from all of us because that was a real big deal and we'd love to see that Definitely. Congratulations to him for uh, sharing that and stepping up and, um, you know, kind of taking control of that. And, you know, he has a support system. We're obviously here supporting him on Cautiously Optimistic. And I know uh, plenty of other people out there are supporting him as well. So uh, keep doing your thing and uh, we're happy for you. Yeah, it's been fun to see since the big announcement, you know, everything uh, resulting with it. You know, he's, he's posting more things. It's It's been fun to watch and, and we're all proud of you, man. So uh, keep doing your thing as well as you always do. Definitely. And as we close this episode of Cautiously Optimistic, we would like to remind our listeners one more time to please get yourself down to Lucky Boy. You won't regret it. It is a wonderful place. Um, You know, they are open late night. The past few podcasts, we've been talking about how it's lunchtime when we're recording. Um, It's, as we mentioned, cautiously after dark right now, we're into the early morning hours of Thursday, both in Kansas and here in California. But here in California, Lucky Boy is still open because they are open until 2 a.m. Thankfully, they're still open. Uh, unfortunately, so if they had one out there, they would not be for you. But here, they still are. And, and guess where I'm headed? You know what time it is. It's Lucky Boy time. I'm about to engulf a breakfast burrito. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could be there with you. I wish I could do it. Um, and if it was the weekend out here, Lucky Boy still might be open because... There have been times when we've been there later than two and they've still been serving up those piping on fresh burritos, burgers, fries, and anything else you can imagine. Um, as long as you're not one of our friends who brought in uh, select beverages that you're not allowed to bring into the restaurant, everyone is welcome. And anyone can go in and get a delicious burrito anytime they need it. Anytime. Anytime. And we'll be here for you guys anytime with another episode in the books of Cautiously Optimistic. That was episode 77. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please uh, follow along with us on our social media channels. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, LinkedIn, 
all of that stuff. Yeah, all of it and more. If there's a website uh, that we haven't mentioned, we're on it. 